My wife is always like, you're, you're like, why do we have to do it this way? Like, couldn't it be like a little, <laughs> do we have to like just rile everybody up every time? Or could, is there a version of this where you're, where we just, Can we have an easy yeah. life. Yeah. Hi everyone. And welcome back once again to Straight Up. Before we jump into this episode with none other than the biggest film director of the moment, Zack Snyder quite a lot of excitement going on here. We just wanted to very quickly fill you in on the latest product from our incredible sponsor for this episode, Polaroid, the game-changing instant camera legend that I have legitimately been obsessed with, oh, I don't know, just maybe my entire life. It really does feel so surreal to be working with Polaroid, but it's such a perfect fit for Straight Up, and we are so thrilled to be telling you all about the Polaroid Go, which is the world's smallest instant analog camera, and actually the coolest new product I've seen in 2021. Yep, so it's a little camera, but with big ideas. Portable, wearable, and take anywhereable, the Polaroid Go is set to be the next generation's go-to creative collaborator, with a roster of incredible names, including Arlo Parks, currently showing off its potential in the big Go Create campaign. I love Arlo Parks so much. It was such a joy to see her Polaroid photos from the run-up to her big Brit Awards win. Even more of a joy has been putting my own Polaroid Go to the test, which as well as being portable, is super stylish, using the classic Polaroid film design for the first time in a mini format playing on the brand's iconic heritage, but with a playful update, just perfect for the next generation of creatives. I would just go as far as to say that this is an essential bit of kit for any young creative, whether you're into collaging, giving your friends physical photos, or simply want to keep track of all your processes. Zach himself is a big fan of Polaroid film, and as anyone who has ever worked on a set will know, Polaroid photos not only look fantastic, but are also ultra, ultra useful. What makes the Polaroid Go so special is that it is 60% smaller than any other instant analog camera and it uses classic square format film, but smaller. The new camera and film actually mark the most significant and exciting change to the Polaroid legacy in decades. It's the first new Polaroid film format in over 20 years. It's also been given a bang on Gen Z upgrade featuring a newly developed selfie mirror, self timer, a battery life for 15 packs of film, dynamic flash and double exposure. I really, really could not love this little camera more and we just know that you guys will too. The Polaroid Go and the Polaroid Film Double Pack are available to purchase from polaroid.com for £109.99 and £89.99 respectively. Thank you so much to Polaroid. Our extremely wonderful drink sponsor for this episode is the new online drinks platform, Home Tipple. They supplied us with all the gorgeous Clonakilty single grain Bordeaux cask Irish whiskey that we drank in this episode to tote to Zach's mind-blowingly brilliant career and also, of course, his very excellent music taste. So as someone obsessed with making cocktails, as anyone who listens to this podcast should know by now, and also as a proud owner of a drinks trolley, which I will use any excuse to wheel out, Home Tipple is perfect for building my at-home bar, stocking with everything from wine and beer to spirits and mixers. So I am never out of anything and I will never not have something to drink. So I think I actually inspired you with my own drinks trolley, but I will give you that You pun. did. You are the most sort of brilliant and proud owner of a at-home bar that I have ever known. I love coming around to yours for cocktails, especially in the summer, maybe a little ginger margarita. 
That said, oh, my fave. Drinks may go in and out of fashion, but a well stocked home bar is timeless. And you can forget snobby and insanely priced wine clubs. Home Tipples drinks are sourced from all over the world and a brilliant value for money, but they also cut a very fair deal with all the listed producers. So you can feel like you're doing good with every single sip. Exactly. Visit hometipple.com to stock up your own bar and do your bit to help winemakers, distillers, and brewers around the world. And if you're unsure what to start off with, then grab a bottle of that amazing Bordeaux Irish whiskey, which has heavenly flavours of vanilla, marzipan and oat, and was even the world's first Irish whiskey aged in red wine barrels from Bordeaux. It is very, very fancy. If, like us, you are diligent restockers, then do open a free Home Tipple account, which basically rewards you just like Air Miles. You collect points as you spend, the more you collect, the better your discount. With enough points for a pro account, you get up to 10% off every single product. To receive a complimentary pro account at Home Tipple, enter reward code STRAIGHTHOME21 when you open your account to receive up to 10% off every drink in your basket every single time you shop. Bargain. Thank you so much to Home Tipple. Okay, back to business because we are so, so unbelievably excited to bring you this chat with none other than Zack Snyder, the world famous director behind some of the most talked about films of the last decade, who perhaps has the most loyal fan base of any director in the game, and I do not say that lightly. Even if you haven't seen his films 300, Dawn of the Dead and Batman vs Superman and what the hell have you been doing all this time, you will surely have heard all the buzz about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Now, there were some very tragic circumstances surrounding the film. He was the original director attached to Justice League but had to drop out following the death of his daughter, Autumn. The studio pushed ahead with a new director and unfortunately the end result was a total critical flop and as Zack says, nothing like the original he'd worked on. What happened next was the result of the most astonishing fan campaign of all time, where his fans called for the studio to release the Snyder Cut. Turns out, the fabled Snyder Cut did indeed exist, and earlier this year, Zack released the four-hour epic to HBO. It was a game-changing moment in Hollywood history, and it gave the fans everything they wanted and more. And he's just had a smash hit on Netflix, Army of the Dead, the zombie heist film with a twist, set in Las Vegas, that's already being called his best work. By the way, if you are wondering why on earth we have a film director on our music podcast, then allow us to introduce our brand spanking new format for Straight Up, which is new for this second series and will see us go further behind the scenes than ever before. Speaking now to the biggest players in pop culture about the music that made them. From the song that soundtracked their childhood to the one that made them cry, we dig deep to reveal the real person behind the work, the one you rarely hear in the interviews in the mainstream media, and we know you are going to absolutely love it. So let's cut to it. Here's Zach, and please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks so much. Zach, we just wanted to start with saying thank you so much for coming on to Straight Up as a guest. We are so honoured to have you here. And we also just would love to ask a little bit about how you came across the podcast. Because for listeners that might not know, it was actually a very unusual scenario where Zach approached Ellie about being a guest rather than the other way around. Yeah, I, uh, I'm on a little social... <laughs> yeah, well, I'm on a little social media platform called Vero. And um, yeah, I was sort of looking around inside of it and uh, saw uh, that you guys were there and uh, was like, started to listen to the podcast and was like, gosh, this is, these girls are cool and smart and awesome. 
And uh, wow, I wonder if there'd be a chance I could, I don't know, if they'd want to talk to me. So that's kind of how it happened. If we could fit you in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, yeah, it's, I wish, I wish all our talent came through us that way. It would make, uh, it would make our lives a lot easier. So we're very grateful. You know, it's it's funny because it's like, I have a pretty, you know, um, I don't want to say curated, but it's kind of a small, I have a small sphere that I kind of am inside of, you know, and it's, and it's just, it's fun. And I just kind of, I don't know, I, 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 I get up pretty early, like 4.30 and I, and I, you know, I spend like an hour just kind of, you know, arranging the day and stuff. And also I just kind of listen to, you know, a podcast or something like that. And it just worked out really nicely that, um, you know, I just, I was listening to you guys are, you know, really smart and you, you, you have a lot of great insight. And it's just, I was like, I, I, I go, gosh, you know, I feel like I'm not 100% in their demographic, but maybe, I don't know. There you are. Well, our demographic is between the age of 16 to 60. So oh, well, then I fall somewhere well in, in there. Yeah, you, you are well in there. <laughs> but also it's great because um, we are actually broadening the podcast to more kind of culture generally, not just music. So this, t- this comes at a really good time for us. So Zach, we're going to come on to the specifics of kind of the music and how that kind of integrates within your films and you have quite an interesting musical taste particularly with your most recent Netflix film Arm of the Dead I did not think I'd be listening to uh, uh, Elvis Presley as I saw many uh, many limbs getting chopped off yeah, well. in the opening credits well. <laughs> it works very well so but we're going to reel back to the start of your life what was what was always on in the Snyder household what were you listening to I guess when I was growing up um Early, early days, uh, my parents were country western fans. There was a lot of Kenny Rogers. Uh, there was a lot of, um, uh, you know, I remember I could sing. My parents would make me sing. Um, uh, there's a song like, uh, you, pick, you Picked a Fine Time to Leave Me, Lucille, I think is the song. I forget the artist. You know, You Picked a Fine Time to Leave Me, Lucille. And I used to sing it wrong. I remember once I sang, there's, I think it's, I've got four hungry children and a crap, and a crop, sorry, and a crop in the field. And I used to sing it where I'd say crap in the field. And my dad thought that was hilarious. And so he would make me sing it. And I was only like, whatever, you know, a young child, but he would sing it, have me sing it for everyone in the room. Wrong. And I was like, so you could see I never sang in public much after that. Because yeah. The response was always loud. Have you made your children sing it at any point and see if they chip up? I don't do that. My <laughs> my children, my my young my my, I I have a ten year old daughter who has an amazing, she's an amazing singer, like she's actually really really good at singing, and um, I'm just amazed by her. Like she'll say she's always trying to like, have me do a vocal exercise with her, and I'm always like I can't say don't stop. Stop making me do this embarrassing. It's like not cool to do it to your father. Um, but um, yeah. But then after that, I think the other musical breakthrough I had was um, I was a big Rick Springfield fan when I was growing up. Um, and then there was a break that happened where my mother bought me uh, a Bruce Springsteen album thinking that it was Rick Springfield. And uh 
it kind of led my musical taste on a second journey. Um, and then I really got into The Clash, uh, weirdly. London Calling was like a big album for me. And then Culture Club was a huge influence. I'm a huge Boy George mm. fan. Um, I love I I love that, um, you know, that first album was Kissing to be Clever, I think. And I really a huge. I, I was in a boarding school. I grew I was I grew up in a boarding school in Connecticut. And I remember I put that Boy George poster up in my room and it was very controversial. Um, and the, the, oh. <laughs> it, was, it was hugely it was a huge deal. They were like, you can't like that's not cool. And I was like, what? I don't understand. So were you always super creative? What's, yeah, and so well, in those days, I was making, um, I was making a lot of Super Eight movies in high school, in in my, in my, um, in my, uh, you know, just in my daily life, I would go to my boarding school, like where I was, and then I would at night, um, we would shoot a movie, uh, or I was shooting a movie, and so I would have like all the, all my my roommates and all the people in the school having playing different roles and I was constantly I don't know if you've seen the movie Rushmore but it's very much it was like a Rushmore vibe to the um to to my life in those days and so I think music did play you say that very casually how how do you just get a casual film in after school it was hard it really it really took a lot of influence and I was just really into it and I like to think that I got expelled from my boarding school because my movie was too controversial um I'm not sure that's 100% true but I do like think that was what happened let's go with that story it's kind of fun because I I think that I I I definitely was not everyone was uncomfortable with my with my movie making um that's for sure (laughs) So what, why was it controversial? Oh, I don't know. Only because it was like, it was a remake of Apocalypse Now, sort of set in the, um, in the boarding school. And like Colonel Kurtz was the headmaster. So, um, you know, and one of the students was like, you know, on his way, you know, I, and so anyway, you know, I'm going insane. And so there was a lot of, you know, you could see how like that probably not cool like not for them they were like no that's I, not. I could see that <laughs> so did you even do you even remember when you decided that you wanted to be a director or was it something that you were just passionate about from day one yeah I guess like you know um pretty much from around, when I was around 11 I started like my mom bought me a super 8 movie camera um and she really encouraged me because I always had an interest in cinema and, and movies and I mean all through like pretty much when I wasn't in boarding school um I, I had an insatiable appetite for movies. Like I would, you know, there's like a lot of, there, there, there'd be like a Japanese film festival of like Kurosawa movies. And I would ask my parents to take me, you know, when I was like, you know, in middle school to go see, you know, Seven Samurai, you know, in- So you always with, had discerning taste. Yeah, but like, I'd say like, well, I have to see it like, you know, and it's, you know, in Japanese in like its original format projected. That was like a big deal to me. And they were like, what's the matter with you? (laughs) (laughs) So what were your days at college like? You were in California, right? And you studied film. Yeah, so I was a film student. Um, I had gone to London for a year and I had studied painting at a small school called the Heatherly School of Fine Art in, um, in Hammersmith. Well, it was Chelsea. And so I lived there, starved, as an artist, I wanted to be, I, I kind of had another, like my other love was painting. I thought I could be, be a painter possibly too. Um, and so I kind of just, 
you know, commuted to school. Uh, and mostly, I didn't have enough money for the church, for the bus even, so I would walk and a lot of a lot of baked beans on toast in those days. Yeah. <laughs> and were you just living by yourself? I, I was married at the time. Um, I I I I, oh. I married um, uh, my high school sweetheart. Um, and we both went to London and we both studied painting at the same place. Um, we've since, you know, gone our separate ways, but that was a, ama- that was a great time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I came out to, um, yeah, my advisor at Heatherly said like, you know, your paintings, like it's, they, you, you, they're very cinematic. Like everything's like sort of, <laughs> you know, motion picture aspect ratio. Ground and, epic. Yeah. And, and yeah. I said, and she was maybe. You know, it could be a criticism of my paintings, but it also could be that she was like, you know, you, you seem like you love cinema so much. And I go, I do. And she goes, have you thought about, like, I had all my movies and everything that I'd made. And uh, she thought, she asked if I had ever, cons- and I said, yeah, well, I was going to go to film school, but, you know, I wasn't sure I wanted to come to London. And so then I applied to Art Center College of Design here in Pasadena and I got in. And, um, yeah, I, I spent uh, um, pretty much... Um, you know, 19, I came out here in 1985 and was here till, was in school till 91, um, where I left my master. I was in getting my master's and I left, uh, just cause I, 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 I got an offer to, um, you know, to be, uh, you know, to get a real job, uh, you know, directing job. And so I said, okay, I'll take it. And then I left school. So I never finished my degree. What was that first job? Uh, let's see. What was that first job? It was a commercial. No, it was a music video. I think, uh, the one that I left for, well, it was for a deal with, um, this company, uh, at the time called the end, they wanted to sign me as a director. Um, and, um, Lou Thornton and Liz Silver, who then had this company called the end, which turned into believe media, who I'm still with to mm. this day as in if I was going to, if you want me to direct your music video or your TV commercial, you have to call um, Believe Media. So when you are making a film, for those of us who maybe aren't like as familiar with the process, the music comes, like you say then, when you're editing, how much thought have you given to the music at that point? When you're working on something, do you have an idea in your head of what you might want the soundtrack to be like? Like for us novices... No, no. How the soundtracking works. Yeah, it's a good question because like, um, well, I work with Junk- Junkie right now, um, Junkie XL, who did this, mm. the music for for this movie. And also um, he and Hans did it together for um, Batman vs. Superman. And he did like Fury Road and um, Rise of an Empire and like a bunch of, you know, he just did Kong vs. Godzilla. And of course the Justice League Um uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League cut. He did the music for that, and as well as Army of the Dead. So Junkie and I, you know, we have quite a, a history, um, and I'm I, and I'm a huge fan of him, and he's he's really amazing. And so we do. I have conversations early on with him, and we talk a lot about um, tone and texture and things of that nature, and try and get a sort of thematics. And you know, I might like send him some music that I like that I just been listening to and be like, I don't know if this is inspiring or not, but I kind of like this idea. And, um, you know, we'll have a conversation like that. That's early on. And then when we get back from shooting and we've got kind of a, a 
a rough cut of the movie. And then also I love needle drops. So I'll like pull songs from all over the place. Sometimes I'll make like, you know, a little playlist and give it to everybody just to kind of like, so when you're working on the movie, you can like go, you know, listen to this little make playlist. Make immersive. Yeah. Nice. Even if, so even he, was if, on the, he was on the Justice League playlist. Oh, geez. That was a... Those are a lot of the songs that are on the movie, you know? And then as well up, yeah. as like, um, there's like a phosphorescent song called uh, uh, Song for Zulu um, that I had on the movie for a long time. It's a really great song. Um, and there was, uh, what else was on there? There was, um, oh, gosh. I'll have to, I'd have to send it to you because I, I can't remember. That was a while ago. But... Um, when we were doing this movie, um, when we were doing Army of the Dead, uh, you know, leaving Las Vegas, which of course is not in the movie, but is appropriate. Um, I had that on. I think we did put, uh, we have, Bad, so Bad Moon Rising, another version that was always on. Um, the Cranberry Zombie, which was, I, I thought was incredibly <laughs> ironic. Yes, very apt. Very apt. But also it's like shockingly, um, weirdly original and it's one of those things and i think that army is a movie that is it's it's of course that would be in the movie now that it's in the movie you know what i mean like um yeah in retrospect it's obvious but like it's like of course there'd be a zombie tiger why wouldn't there be you know like those are the kind of things <laughs> that like that zombie tiger <laughs> freaked me out oh my god <laughs> i love there's one bit where he just like Everyone's about to just start the war, and then he just has a lie down on the oh, yeah. on the car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'll he's very that, like guys. you. Kind of like like him in that shot. I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, Valentine's rest. He's yawn. I think he yawns in the shot too, which is good. <laughs> right, our lovely listeners. It is us again with a very important announcement. If you are Zack Snyder fans who appreciate a killer soundtrack, then you really need to upgrade the way you watch your films immediately. Yes, you do. If you want to feel that you've got your very own home cinema with widescreen, studio-level sound booming around your sitting room, then you have got to get yourself a pair of Q Acoustic Active 200s. Wireless, high-resolution loudspeakers with an integrated amplifier that you can plug into your TV with a cheeky little HDMI cable. I'm not joking, when I watched Zack's Netflix film Army of the Dead with them, the widescreen sound meant that I literally felt that there were zombies underneath my sofa. It was both terrifying and quite amazing. Totally. When I heard that zombie tiger roar, I forgot I was in my sitting room. <laughs> not to mention, of course, that Army of the Dead is basically back to back with brilliant music too. And since you know just how much love and care Zach puts into his soundtracks, you've just got to do them justice. These speakers are also brilliant for regular use with anything from your phone and your tablet to your laptop and turntable and controllable through all the regular streaming apps. They are also so chic and will upgrade any home for sure. We do go on about this a bit, but you can get them in black or matte white and they come with a gorgeous pair of optional silver stands. And because of the onboard amp, you also have zero clutter with no extra boxes and trailing wires around your living room. It's all neat, beautiful and lovely. That's how we like it. Get your pair at www.qacoustics.co.uk and thank you so much to our wonderful sponsor, Qacoustics. There's, there's something specific about your kind of sonic and visual style. I think anyone that's seen one of your films will realize that you seem to have a bit of fun with your soundtrack, mm. like Sucker Punch, for instance, which is your film about um, a kind of uh, a baby doll girl 
as she's called baby doll that kind of uh, uses her imagination to break out of this. I guess she's held in like a brothel. Yeah, well, an insane asylum she's that been... she imagines is a brothel. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. In her mind, she in her it, yeah, it's her mind is playing several tricks on her. But yes, yeah, she basically breaks out of her mental asylum by pretending she's in a brothel in her mind and breaking out of that using basically like insane action sequences with with I guess like monsters um and the, the beginning of that she accidentally kills her little sister and sweet dreams is playing at the same time and it is just i mean it just kind of fucks with your head basically yeah. and it's the same with the beginning of army of the dead it's like all this sunny like fun music and you're watching like legs being sawn off and I, this is clearly something you yeah do, i do right? i do enjoy the like well especially i think in the title sequence of army the idea that we would go on a musical journey and visual visual journey at the same time and where we would like this because what the music also um because allison comes in at the end and it gets really like uh you know soulful and kind of like heartfelt and heart-wrenching frankly and so like you i love the idea that you start off in this romp of like, oh, this is just fun. And it's like, it's just, uh, we're going to see a bunch like Liberace and it's, you know, all these icons of Vegas get like destroyed, but kind of using this iconic song and all this. And then slowly, like you get kind of dragged in. And it's kind of a metaphor for the movie in a lot of ways. Like, you know, the movie kind of does similar things as far as it, it draws you in kind of with the fun and then like knocks you out with the kind of some kind of emotional hook. And I think that, that that was fun to just kind of sculpt and create and and working with um, Richard Cheese and with Allison to kind of, because like they had to, they recorded it and then they would watch it back and then I'd make them watch the actual thing and then try and line it up musically. And it was a very complicated um, and, and, and um, we developed it over it was we tried a few different songs and it was like a real it was a real uh it was a real labor and we ended up you know i really like i'm super happy with the end product but it was it was quite a it's quite a little sequence to design and i and i look i love the construct the con the constraint of like okay this title sequence is whatever six minutes long but you have to tell the entire it's basically a movie inside of the movie you know so which film of yours do you think has the best soundtrack or which is the one that you look back on now and you just still think is the winner if you had to choose yeah that's oh that's cool um you know i do love the well for different reasons let's say this i do love the sucker punch soundtrack because like emily sings like sing me to sleep and you know there's like the participation of the maybe one day when we have the director's cut the true director's cut of sucker punch you know we'll see oh. uh it does exist <laughs> so we can talk about that that's another podcast but um but there there is a she also at the very end of the movie sings um ooh child at the very end and that would that's and does a really great job but it's very haunting but i would say probably that i probably i think watchmen has um you know it's, it's such a it's such an iconic soundtrack. I think if you really if you line up all the songs that are in that movie, you know, from Unforgettable to Times They Are Changing, you know, and even the Philip Glass and the soundtrack itself, you know, it's very. I think the music is really powerful in places like you know along the Watchtower and 
you know, there's just the music is so intense. Um, and I and I uh, I just you know I just I I think it's really fun. And I think I did sneak a Boy George song in there. I can't remember, <laughs> but I think I did. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, and maybe controversially, but what about a movie that isn't your own as well? Is there a film that you've loved that you just have always kind of held up as like the pinnacle of great soundtracking? You mean as far as like needle drops or like actual just score like i guess score wise i'm gonna be honest with you here i don't know i don't know if we know what needle drops mean needle, oh sorry needle drops are like just when 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 sort of the when we say needle drop i mean like a song that a, an actual song that i take and stick in the movie right like needle drop like a on a on a, a vinyl needle like where you're actually just setting got it oh and you just just slot just it into slot the, okay, it's like yeah, a yeah. song that you just put into the movie that existed before whether it be a Boy George song or Times They Are Changing or whatever, and you just whack it on. That that's what I that's what I would consider a needle drop. Like an actual so you 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 take a whole cloth song and you just kind of superimpose it over your movie. It's not custom made. Got it. You know, yeah. like cause the yeah. soundtrack is composed, you know, the composer like, is like in the scene and he's like we're going down a hallway, so they're going to open a door. You know, like, you know, it's like they're like they're using the music and they're it's custom made for what's happening in the the images. Where if you just take a song and drop it on the movie, you know, the 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 song itself brings, you know, like having, you know, Sound of Silence in Watchmen that's iconic song, right? So they've got their own like cultural mm-hmm. reference points that they bring. Yes, to the exactly, yes. exactly. So, Zach, I'm going to make uh, a very uh, bold inference on you as a person in your life, which you can correct me on. Uh, but just to to get back to you as a kind of provocateur, you said you got expelled from school. <laughs> uh, you didn't finish. You haven't maybe had the most conventional journey to filmmaking. You didn't finish. Uh, you say you didn't finish your degree. School? I didn't film all the way. No, your, I have not your, finished. You got all your way. commercial. Okay, so you clearly don't like being confined into, you don't like being put into boxes. And then, of course, your work itself is provocative. You are not, you are Marmite to many critics. Yeah. You know, some critics love you, some critics hate you. The The reviews are often pretty polarized. Is, do you like that provocation or has that just been a byproduct of your work? Or do you like kind of getting everyone riled up? Uh, you know, I don't look at, I am, you know, I've been accused my wife is always like, you're, you're like, why do we have to do it this way? Like, couldn't it be like a little, <laughs> do we have to like, just rile everybody up every time? Or could, is there a version of this where you're, where we just, Can we have an easy yeah. life. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't think so. I think that we, like, I, I am, look, I've got, I look, I spent, you know, 10 years directing television commercials and music videos and I, I had a great time. Uh, of my career. When I got into the movie business, I kind of only thought there was one way to do it. And um, it's been, um, you know, I, I, I famously say to film students and to people who ask me, like, what should I, like, if I, I want to make a movie, like, what do I do? How do I do it? And like, what skill set do I need? Like, what is the thing? And I always go like, you know, the thing, what a movie is, is a, it's a point of view, right? Like you're really, you're really trying to get people to enter your point of view and to sort of see the world through your eyes, 
you become the prism and the enjoyment of going to a movie. And the movies that I like are ones where I can feel the personality of the director and I am looking at a world through someone else's kind of a thing that you can't really do, you know, in in real life. And so um, I have endeavored um, to to do that. And I think that um, that my sense of the, and I also have a very sort of, I, I, when I look at a movie, I understand, like, I think the thing with Army of the Dead that I, 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 the reason why I wanted to do it was um, that it is, it's genre deconstructing, even though on a lot of levels, it's a zombie romp. And if you want to take it that way, that's hundred percent, it's great. And I want, I want you to feel that. But also it is, if 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 you're a cinephile and you understand, like I I'm also all the time playing with the zombie tropes. I love I love fucking with the tropes whenever I can and kind of manipulating them and making you um, wonder about like uh, like the rules of the world and like I'm constantly trying to push them around and whether it be political and, and it's like the weird thing with our movie is you know I always. I go, the great thing about a zombie movie is a zombie movie, the monster is us, right? Like that's, I think, inherently what people love about it or, or are scared of. You know, it's a movie where the only thing that the monster is, is us without their humanity, you know? So like what, like that's hor- that's horrific. And then in the course of ARMY, one of the games I played was how do I make the zombies sympathetic? Like in how do I make you like understand that the zombies have their point of view on this on what's happening and that they might not be wrong you know and i think that because the best movies the best horror movies or movies in general is where the bad guy the baddie you get their point of view like you understand they're not just purely yeah, evil yeah definitely you go like oh fuck i guess if i was that guy, bad guy and, you know, that had happened to me. I might be, uh, you know, trying to, to, like, be an evil... That's why the like, ending of um, Joker was so controversial, I guess. Because there was Yeah, they didn't really give, the, like, the backstory reason enough. Everyone yeah, they did. Right. Them, they, didn't, didn't they? they didn't judge it, right? Contextualize, yeah. Yeah, they let yeah. the, uh, let the, like, they just let it be. Let people and, I, and so, like, for me, I guess, and that and that's fun. And so I guess my point is only that, like, you know... I, I've I've endeavored to make movies that kind of that do that that and we work really hard so that everything's layered and it's all there if you want it you know like it's there's plenty of deep dive to be taken if that is the thing you 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 want to do on one level you could talk to someone um, you know who saw Batman versus Superman and say oh that that's the movie where Batman fights Superman. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure about that. Or you could talk to another person. Like if you talk to Chris Dario, he'll tell you like, it's a political allegory about like unilateralism, you know? And that's like what, (laughs) that's what the movie, and that's what we try. And if you want that to be the movie, it's all there for you. Like it's, it's not, we didn't, it's not there in, in hindsight, you know, it's, it's in the fabric of the design. And, and I think that, the same with army we 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 endeavor to take as deep a dive as the audience wants and so provocateur possibly yeah oh so what's going to be divisive about army of the dead then? oh i don't yeah i don't know i Real mean I, I i i wasn't my 
I think the experiment of army is a different experiment and maybe it doesn't, it doesn't require people to like, you know, get mad. Um, <laughs> and that was that, <laughs> and the experiment was this tonal thing I want. I was really playing with like, like I said, like cinema tropes. It's more of a cinephiles movie mm. than say a um, yeah. pol- political movie. Although it does have politics in it. And uh, if you, if you, if you feel like playing that game, but uh, um I think that, like, you know, I think there might be some controversy around, like, the evolution I've done with the zombies. But, again, like, you know, I made a zombie movie, you know, in the early 2000s. Uh, I, Your first film. Yeah, I think I, you know, film. I, I know the rules. Like, I always say, like, if you know the rules, you could break them. Um, so, like, I hope that, uh, you know. And also, the rules, they're there for a reason. Like, what the zombies can do is 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 particular to this movie and and it's also particular to their origins and we've also done like we're doing an animated season we uh, we did an animated we're doing an animated series that tells sort of the origins of the zombie plague oh and i saw the did, poster yeah and we did a uh and we just finished shooting in germany with matthias who plays the safe cracker um an origin he directed a oh, movie. i loved him yeah he directed a movie about about his origins, about like why he's in, obsessed with safes and stuff. So like, yeah, Shay and I wrote this story and then he went and filmed it. So do you ever read reviews of your work? I read a lot of good, the good ones I do. Mm. <laughs> but not that you just don't look at the negative ones. <laughs> no, of course, ones. <laughs> of course I, I, I try not to read as many reviews. I didn't read that many on Justice League. I've, frankly, I find that I've finally gotten to the point where I don't, I, I don't, I don't take it personally. Um, but it's hard, you know, because it's like you you pour so much of yourself into it that it's hard to um, it's hard to not take it personally. But um, and, and look, I was very happy with the way Justice League was received. I couldn't I couldn't ask for for more from that movie. It couldn't have been better. The reviews, to be fair, they yeah. could not five stars. Yeah, because it must be interesting working with Deborah as well. I wonder, like being a husband and wife duo, like does that bring an extra level of um uh, sort of like intimacy or like make the whole process feel more deeply personal because, you know, the two of you are kind of doing all of this. I think 100%. It's definitely a family affair. Um, you know, we all, we work, um, we all work, we, we work so, we never stop working. I mean, is really the reality. You know, it's not like when we go out to dinner at night or when we're on vacation um, and we're laying around on a beach, I'm going like, okay, what about, what if, <laughs> there's a scenario where you know like it's not there's no you know and the great thing about her is she's as into it as i am it's not like um you know she's going like okay can i sleep or like can you stop for five minutes um do your kids have to be like guys stop talking about this yeah or they, do, they, they, they are the yeah. ones they are the ones my son eli who um he's like the only one really of the group other than willow because Willow is a makeup artist, but um, Eli's the only one that, uh, he's the only director um, in in the family. Everyone else has chosen a different, you know, as they should. I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage anyone. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but Eli, like he worked on Army. He was in the camera department. And, um, nice. you know, so oh, cool. it, it's kind of fun, um, you know, to have, you know, Debbie and me and E and, you know, and we're all, you know, just all hanging out and having lunch. And it's just like, uh, 
So we're what we're looking into your home cinema right now that you have in the basement of your house, yes. and I know, for instance, that you were you like you went and watched uh, Tenet at Christopher Nolan's house before that came yeah. out. Who who who? Which directors were in your inner home theater circle ahead of the release of Justice well, League? Yeah, did you do a screening? Well, because of the pandemic, I haven't anyone over here. Oh yeah, um, but we did have, um, you know, I I did, um, you know, I had Chris. Actually, um, we, he and I went down to Universal City Walk and we projected the uh, IMAX version of uh, oh. Justice League for him. And, uh, oh. you know, he, he and Emma, and they really... Does he give you, does he give you, can you give each other like notes? Or no, is that there's like a, a really no-go? cool you don't thing really that want, we like, do with each other, which is basically when I show him the movie, I'm like, okay, so the movie's done. Uh, so just enjoy it. He always says it to me, really. He's whenever I see Tenet or when I whenever I see a movie of his, which I by the way, it actually better. Like I prefer I want to see the movie and just li- watch it. Like I don't need yeah. to like Yeah. The last thing I want to do with notes. Chris and Chris is a genius of course. Last thing I need to do is like have my two cents. Um and so <laughs> it al- it, it yeah. actually is really liberating to be able to just go like, okay, like show me your movie because i want to i want to get my yeah. mind blown I know. <laughs> it's kind of fun if you were a superhero what would your score sound like would it be sort of ominous would it be really positive have you ever had a think about it like you yeah, must um, in your career. yeah or like probably if there was like if i made a biopic would the music be i mean i would hope look i would have to hire junkie because he's my guy but you know i would tell him to go listen to some Philip Glass, um, maybe, <laughs> you know, that would be cool. But yeah, I think it would be, I think it would be like, I would hope that it would be optimistic, but you know, with moments of, of darkness, probably. I mean, just like all of us, some pensive, kind of like, you know, there would A be brooding those, part. Yeah, there'd be some brooding parts, but yeah. like also there'd be like, you know, it would rise and get, uh, you know, hopefully triumphant. And the the film. <laughs> the film is dedicated to your daughter Autumn and I wondered if she had if she had inspired any of the soundtrack at all obviously there is the very moving hallelujah at the end yeah. but was she Alison Crow kind of front of your mind yeah, yeah Alison yeah. did that for us she's um, great I mean she's amazing she had come actually and sang that song at, at Autumn's service um, and that was one of her favorite songs and not in, oh. and, and then when I asked Alison to do the song for the title sequence for the end titles, I told her, I said, look, you know, it's, it's 10 minutes long or something, or I don't, I forget how long this, it is like nine minutes. And I go, can you do it? Can you make it nine minutes? She goes, absolutely. Uh, no problem. Um, and so then she sent it to me. She <laughs> showed me two versions um, of it. She'd done it twice. And I picked that one. Cause it's just so, I mean, it's insane. And it's really, um, just the, the, the way, it, the way she goes, it goes acapella and then it just, it's just really in, intense. And I was like, okay, I guess mm. if we're going to do it, let's do, let's go all the way. Let's not, we're not going to fuck around at this point. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really amazing. It's, yeah. I think that that, yeah, I think that for sure that song was inspired by Autumn and also Distant Sky, the, the Nick Cave song. Um, I'm a big Nick Cave fan and I, I, 
Yes, there's a lot of Nick there's Cave. There's a lot of Nick Cave. There. I literally yeah. said, like, can I have a movie with two Nick Cave songs in it? Is that crazy? But then I was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I don't care. You know, like. This is Zack Snyder yeah. cut. You're getting two Nick Cave songs, so like, deal with it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite character in the film then? We talked a little about the music, but you, I know they're probably all like your babies and, you know, you love all of them in different ways, but surely you have a soft spot for one in particular, even if it is just in your cut of Justice League, just for, for the way that their story goes in that film. Yeah, the way that, well, I know, mean, for sure. Comes together. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I think for sure Cyborg is my kind of favorite um, oh. in, in, in Justice League. He's, you know, it's just a real, he, you know, he's really a metaphor in a lot of ways for what happens in the movie and, and, and just really, mm. you know, and Ray does such a great job in the film. Um, it's unbelievable. And then, I mean, and then, and then you could say, I think in Army, my favorite character is probably, you know, I, I guess among, well, Dieter is just hilarious, the, the German safe cracker. Um, but, you know, and, and I, such a character. and I love Dave because he's just such a like, he's got such this, you know, his character in the movie and the way he does it, it's like this, you know, he's this big giant dude, you know, he's a huge physical guy. <laughs> But he's just kind of so. There's a sadness in what he does that's really kind of beautiful and and kind of he's kind of mm, he's mm. kind of emotional and it's kind of he's kind of great, you know. It's kind of I don't know. And you've got a lot of you've got a lot of love from Ray, as you say. You know, he put he put a very moving uh, tribute to you on his Twitter about how um, you empowered him as a a black actor with no film credits to his yeah. name, and you put him he was had a seat at the creative oh, table God, yeah. um and then obviously and then gal Gadot has been very um uh open about how much he believed in her and she's my favorite i love wonder woman yeah she's great <laughs> so cliche but i cried in the justice league scene where she like saves all those school, school children I know the, that's oh my, God, my boyfriend I, was like come on get a grip <laughs> it was yeah. so good Tears. i loved it anyway but the point being is that you have such a um wholesome relationship with your cast and have done such great things in terms of race and gender. Yeah. But in maybe the, maybe it's specific to kind of superhero fandoms, there is this toxic, there is a very small toxic segment of this fandom that I think has been spoken about in reaction to Justice League. Some of the fans going really um, in for some of the female critics that maybe didn't write exactly what they wanted. Wow. Do you find that? Yeah, or probably any critics for that matter. <laughs> I mean, not to be. <laughs> yeah. Do you, yeah. yeah. I mean, you do you find that difficult? Do you ever try and intervene with that? You know, to try and kind of yeah. root out this toxicity. Look, it. I'll. I mean, I. I don't because. I mean, look. I've. 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 Of course. There's no room for that in you know in our fandom, and I don't. I don't think it's yeah. cool. Um, and I think a lot of times. You know, I and I also I don't, you know, journalists who don't aren't aware of the world and just stumble into it, and like you know yeah. they say mm. something or write a review or don't understand, um, sort of the sensitivities. I've been on the we've both been yeah. on the receiving end of not about your oh, film, yeah. but about other things. If you're writing about something, you maybe don't know. That yeah, much. exactly. Yeah, sometimes. I think you know we, we've had knowledge. I've had that, you know, and a lot of them they take it very personal. They they take. I think their relationship with the movie um, and with, with me, a lot of the fans take, you know, really um, personally. Very protective. Very protective. Mm. And I think, and especially now, I mean, 
even like, you know, there was, um, you know, there have been incidents when like journalists like don't understand m- what happened with my family and like what happened with, you know, Autumn and they, they, they just didn't do the research yeah, and they, they, they'll make a comment. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. you can imagine the fans get very, um, yes. they get very upset. Um, and they've done some extraordinary yeah. work. They raised like 500,000 for the Yeah, American we're actually up to 750,000 now. Wow. Um, oh, amazing. We're on our way to a million. Our hope is that by, in the fall, I'm going to do this. I'm hoping to do a big IMAX event when the theaters are really wide open uh, where we see Man of Steel, uh, BVS, and Justice League all in IMAX oh, all, wow. all over three days with like, I'm going to try and bring all the actors as much as they and all the, everyone in and do like a little mini con and get us to a million dollars. Um, oh, yeah, because the work is incredible. And I think that that, I guess that's the thing I would say, you know, in, in, in retrospect is that like, yes, of course, there's no room for this toxic, toxic fandom. And I would hope, and, and by the way, it exists, frankly, in every fandom, like Star Wars. Yeah. They make my fans look like, Pussycats, um, like it's literally <laughs> like I don't know what and music fandoms as yeah, well. They're really, it's yeah. really intense, and, and and I get it, you know, on a lot of <laughs> levels because of the passion that these people feel yeah. toward this stuff. But really, the amazing thing is like if you think about like this fandom is what they've done for mental health awareness and suicide prevention is just unbelievable, and you know it's really grassroots and it's really done with no organization except for the fans. It's not like a studio is behind it. They're literally just doing it on their own. And um, they're literally saving lives. And I can't, mm. I can't um, imagine a more amazing outcome, you know, for us than, yeah. than that. And so I hope that that becomes the focus. And it is, frankly, for us, it is the focus. Um, and, I, you know, Definitely. I, I think that's, I think that that's amazing. I love the post you did as well. Was it um, from one of the recent episodes of The Simpsons where there was like a protest and someone even had like a, what was it like, de-release the Snyder yeah, Cut. Yeah, unrelease the Snyder Cut, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. It just... But I guess that's how you know, that's how you know when you've made like, you know, you've really, you hit the zeitgeist in the knees when you yeah. end up on The Simpsons, Yeah, you know. Yeah. So to wrap up, Zach, I mean, can you tell us about some of the hardest things? Uh, what's the hardest thing about being a director, about doing the work that you do? We've touched a little bit about the vulnerability the of reviews. putting your work out there and the reviews. Oh, yeah. Um, but what, what else? What's on your mind? I think the hardest, look at, um, it's a great job. It, it, you know, it's a, a job. I, I remember when I, um, when I was in um, making TV commercials, and, 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 you know, flying all over the world. And I was, you know, still in my 20s and literally like flying first class all over the world. And, you know, they were paying me a ridiculously too much, way too much money. Um, and I would be sitting by someone and I, and I would say, they'd be like, what do you do? Like, how did you get it? Why, how are you, why are you in the, why are you in the front of this airplane? Um, and I'd be like, look, I don't know. I, 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 I don't really have a marketable skill set um, other than, you know, uh, I just enjoy, I would do it for free, you know, and that's the truth. You know, I would do the job absolutely for free. And if they knew, you know, I, I'm glad my agent, I, my agent would be like, don't tell anyone that. That's like the worst thing you can do. But uh, <laughs> But um, you're in a great bargaining position. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you're the worst. You're the worst. Why? Never <laughs> let him in the room first. Anyway, um, but like you know, 
I guess the 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 hard part of the job is is really just um you know for a while it was the lifestyle like being away from my family and traveling not being with the big kids um I I feel like you know uh now my little ones they come with us um but the older kids didn't come in the old days so it was really hard um I that's why I used to put Eli in all the movies you know Eli was in he, he was in 300 and he was in um Soccer Punch and in Watchmen. Maybe that's why he's got the bug a little bit more than the other kids did. Um, but um, but yeah, I guess I guess you know, and, and it is. It's hard to put yourself out there and just you know. But that's true of any artist. You know, the 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 work you put the work out and you hope it inspires and you hope it it lands the way you want it to and and maybe it's provocative and 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 that's all you can hope for. Um, but yeah, the the hard thing is um, just the the vulnerability that you that you have, um, and uh, sometimes I'm grateful for like you know the fan community who's you know out there um, you know just hungry for the work and just loving it um, for 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 what it is, and that's that's always great. And then you know you always hope that I mean you look at something like Netflix and you know they push a button and 200 million people um, have it on their you know, on their front page. So like, that's, that's a thing I haven't really experienced. So I'm kind of excited about what that means. Like, how does, what is the Netflix experience with ARMY? What is that? That's a kind of a new chapter. So that's kind of fun. It's going to be huge. And to go back to music, since we're right at the end, we wondered what the song that captures how you're feeling now, uh, your cut of Justice League has been out, how it's been. Obviously, it's been this crazy amount of work and hype and everything that's come with it. I mean, I saw the announcement video you did. That was what, May 2020, the one with Henry Cavill and the fans. Oh, yeah. So there's been a long old... Yeah, a long, long old uh, road to getting it out. And now, like we say, having this insane fe- like insane feedback where it's had such great reviews and been so beloved, not just by fans, but critics. Um, also bearing in mind the pandemic, the context of how crazy this past yes. year has been oh my God. for the whole world. Uh, tell us what you've been listening to, what captures it. You know... Is there um, a particular track? Yeah, let's see. Is there a particular track... You know, the problem is, I mean, it's not a problem. Yes, I do. And by the way, I, 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 I do, I listen to a fair amount of music, you know, and uh, I tend to get a little nostalgic when I'm in my office upstairs. I have like a big, I have a record player and like a, I have a pretty sweet little setup for my, for my, vi- for listening to my vinyl albums. Um, I was, uh, I've been, um, Let's see. What have I? What? What's? What's in? What's in the front? Because um, you know my albums are in this little stack, and like you know, the one in the front is the one that I kind of, you know, that you, you tend to just it keeps on. You know, it's it's Van Morrison actually is probably what it is. It's the uh, it's that it's Moon Dance. You know, it, it's uh, I I feel like that I put that on recently, and it's just like it kind of sets a tone in the room that's a little bit cuz his music is kind of that you know it's kind of this, it's kind of both um i would say in a good way um it, it has a it has an energy but it also has like a mood you know it kind of can it it it, it can you know 
it can it can, it can keep you humble i think and i think that's the that's important you know at this point do you find there are certain songs that make i mean there are some songs to me it doesn't matter what environment i hear them they just make me cry because i think of the nostalgia yeah. i think it's always songs i associate with like my parents or something yeah. or my grandparents 100%. do you have do you have similar ones yeah there's a tim minchin song you know tim minchin yeah, yeah, so there's I a Tim Minchin song, well, White Wine, White Wine in the Sun, um, you know, which is a Christmas song, silly Christmas song. Yeah. But whenever I, I can, like, it just, you know, it reminds me of my daughter and it, it just, um, it's just Aww. very, uh, it's crushing and great. By the way, and I played a Christmas and frankly, it reminds me of all my daughters in a weird way. Um, uh, Olivia, who's my oldest, um, you know, she's uh she was that you know because she was the kind of the first bundle in 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 you know when you have that first bundle it's like uh they tend to capitalize a lot of the photography and uh, <laughs> 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 and a lot of the memories so you know i can imagine you know when it when yeah. they oh. there's that line in the song you know uh passed around like a puppy at a primary school which is really like uh it's really, it's it's pretty spot on, and it could get you. I remember I played yeah. it for one of my friends who's Australian, and I never saw like someone could, like we were we were out we were you know out shooting, and it was like close to Christmas, and um, she had been away from Australia for a long time, and I played that song, and it just cr- she had never heard it, and it just crushed her like immediately, and I was like yes, uh. <laughs> I was like oh. <laughs> yeah, it's not just me. That's, no, it's not just yeah. Yeah, by the that's way, that's interesting. That can happen in, even without her. Experience. Yeah, he's a he's yeah. a genius. Anyway, so that's that's just good stuff. What about on the flip side? Is there a song that kind of always reminds you of a great success that you've had or a real high moment in your life, be that professionally or, like you say, something with your kids, with Deborah? Yeah, I mean, I guess. Well, with Debbie, I mean, it's funny because it, you come back to. Um, she grew up in New Jersey. She's a Springsteen fanatic. Um, you know, so whenever, you know, we're driving in the car, you know, sometimes by ourselves, you know, on the way home from a dinner or whatever, we'll put on like Thunder Road as loud and she just sings it as hard as you like. No, zero, zero um, restraint. Um, and it's really a joy <laughs> to behold, to be honest. And, uh, oh yeah, it's good. So finally, Zach, obviously I had to do the check through your IMDb to see if there was any projects that I could see on the horizon beyond Army of the Dead and the clear franchise that that is going to go into <laughs> because there's definitely a sequel, <laughs> definitely. Um, so I could see The Fountainhead. Oh, right, Fountainhead. And apparently... That's about an artist battling with his own artistic integrity. I mean, that's what IMDb says. So are we looking at a, a an art house film, a, a non-action thriller? Yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, look, then, Fountainhead is one of those things. It's famously very political. I don't, I've talked about it a lot. It's, it's, um, it, I, I, I kind of have always seen it as this sort of mythological sort of, um, just, dive into the sort of creative process that's how i discovered it i am i have turned in the meantime once you've you know um i recommend it as a book but you know a lot of people find it like 
you know, very political. <laughs> and uh, I'm a pretty liberal guy in my in my day to day life. So it's it's a funny thing that, uh, you know, it's a thing that has been co-opted by the right in a pretty crazy way. But um, and we don't really have a plan to make it right now or a way to make it. Probably um, last photograph would be the thing we would do um, or horse latitudes. I don't know how it's listed out in there. Um, would be the thing I would do next. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it all becomes, you know, pretty meta at some point. And, uh, I try not, I, I try not to let it be quite so meta. I think it's, I think it's a good thing to, um, to, to keep everything a, a little bit, I mean, you know, because it's a family affair, um, you got to be careful that you don't turn the camera too far around and start filming yourself, you know. <laughs> Very good advice <laughs> for anyone. So, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I appreciate it. That's, 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 a good, that's a good question. Well, Zach, thank you so much. I think we have taken plenty of your time. And oh, thank you, guys. Bit, this has been so fun. So been... fun. And, by the way, and then um, hopefully, uh, you know, when the pandemic ends um, and uh, – I'm in London. We'll, you know, we can always grab a coffee. That would be lovely. Yes, for sure. We'd love that. <laughs> that would be so lovely. Yeah. I'll pack some of my bourbon. I have a bourbon, my own bourbon brand. I'll pack it in <laughs> a bag. Oh. Yeah, it's very, it's oh, very yeah, limited. It's yeah. incredibly limited. And it's, Put a bit in our yeah, coffee. Exactly. Yeah. A little in the coffee and you're good. <laughs> <laughs>